Well, good morning. Great to be back in the Green Mountain State. Amen. And uh, we had a nice little four-hour drive here from some country that my wife and I are from called Rhode Island, that little tiny small state there. And uh, we had a great time uh, driving here and just uh, fellowshipping and talking about the wonderful times we have with Brother Gangwer in Israel and in Jordan for that matter. And, uh, you know, we were supposed to be in Israel October the 16th, but as you well know, war broke out on October the 7th and the travel company called me and said, Brother Rosado, we're going to have to cancel uh, this trip and hopefully reschedule you for some time, Lord willing, in 2024. So pray that we can get back into the Holy Land, get back into the land of Israel to share the good news, amen, of the gospel with Jews and Arabs out there in um, Israel and to resume our Bible prophecy tours out there. So I'll have more to say about that um, in the next service, but it's great to be here with all of you. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do on this Lord's Day today, amen, as we're going to be looking at current world events in light of biblical prophecy. So we want to start off with Sunday school this morning with the war between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. So with that said, I want you to take your Bibles and let's go to 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1. So we have our little transitioner here. We're going to get started with that. 1 John chapter number 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 7. 1 John chapter 1. Verses 5 through 7. And of course the author here is the Apostle John. He's the one that wrote the Gospel of John. He's the one that wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And what other book? The Apocalypse. The book of the Revelation. You know this past May uh, we took a small group to Greece. It was my first time going to Greece. And uh, we visited all the New Testament churches like Corinth and Philippi and so on and so forth. But I was telling Brother Gangwer and Peggy last night, uh, the highlight of this trip was going to the Isle of Patmos for the very first time and teaching the book of Revelation there where it was written some 2,000 years ago. So we know John is the author of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and as well as the book of Revelation. So 1 John chapter number 1, notice with me if you will please, in verses 5 through 7. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. John the Apostle is telling you and I as born again believers to walk in the light. Amen? Who's the light? Jesus Christ. You know, it's Christmas time, so we're going to be seeing lights everywhere. But next Sunday, Lord willing, it will be the Festival of Lights, or better known as Hanukkah. Hanukkah is known as the Festival of Lights or the Feast of the Dedication. There would be no Christmas if it wasn't for Hanukkah. So we look at 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. I love that, amen? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you and I, not from some sin, but from 
all sin. What's my definition of all? All means all, and that's all all means. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be back at Calvary Baptist Church. We're so grateful, dear Lord, for Pastor Gangwer. We're grateful for the brethren of this church, Lord. And thank you so much once again for opening the very doors for us to be here, uh, to stand behind this sacred desk, to open uh, the Word of God and look at the truths contained in the Scriptures. Father, this morning I pray that we would hear from heaven. I pray that we would hear from the very heart of God. And Lord, I pray that we can walk away from this this morning with a better understanding as to what is going on in the Middle East, what is going on in Israel, what is going on around the world, how close uh, we may be to Jesus soon return. It could even be today. So Father, I pray that we would use this wonderful message, the wonderful doctrine of Bible prophecy as a tool uh, to win someone to Jesus Christ in these last days in which we live. And so Father, may your Holy Spirit have his will and his way this morning. And if there is someone here and they do not have that assurance of going to heaven when they die, I pray that today would be the day of salvation because tomorrow just might be too late. So, Father, thank you for what you're about to do now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Folks, we know, and I'm not telling you nothing new, there is a war going on not only in the physical realm, but there's a war going on in the spiritual realm as well. It's a war between the sons of light. That's you, by the way. It's a war between the sons of light and there's a war between the sons of of darkness, but there's also a war going on for the very souls of men. Satan is after the souls of men. He wants to take as many people to hell as possible. There's a war going on between the forces of good and a war going on between the forces of evil. A war between light and a war between darkness. As the world situation grows uh, bleak by the minute, it's getting worse by the minute, the forces of darkness are at work in the unseen realm in preparation to what is to come. And folks, if you're a student like I am of Bible prophecy, I'm no expert by any means, amen? I've been studying Bible prophecy for some 35 years. I'm still learning something new every single day as the Holy Spirit is is directing me. But we all know as students of Bible prophecy, folks, what is to come. And what is to come? It is that final 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. And we know clearly that 69 of those 70 weeks have already literally been fulfilled. It was the death of Jesus. See, I did it again. See that? I just turned around. It was... <laughs> <laughs> because I have the screen right there in front of me. It was the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago that put an end to the 69 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. We know the commencement point for the 69 weeks is right there, 445 B.C. Nehemiah chapter number 2. That was the commencement point for the 69 weeks. So from Nehemiah to the death of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, put an end to the 69 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. But Daniel tells us it is 70. 70. So if 69 weeks have already been fulfilled, how many weeks are left? Simple. 
One week. What is that one week? A final seven-year period of tribulation, also known as the time of whose trouble? Jesus. Ain't your trouble. It's their trouble. Because the church is not in a state of unbelief. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe he's the savior of the world. We believe he's the prophesied Mashiach ben David, the Messiah, the son of David. He is the prophesied Messiah of Israel. The church is not in a state of unbelief. It is Israel that's in a state of unbelief. That's why Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 calls this the time of Jacob's trouble. We're going to be talking about Jacob and that name change in the next service. It's a time of Jacob's trouble, Israel's trouble. We also know based on Daniel 9 verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Thy people, that's referring to the Jewish people. Thy holy city, it's referring to the holy city of Jerusalem. So right now we are in a gap of time between the 69th and the commencement of the 70th week. And folks, that gap of time is uh, right there. Right. The church age. The church age that was established at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and we've been in the church age for an indefinite period of time. The church age will come to an end at the rapture of the church. No signs will see the rapture. No prophecies have to be fulfilled. It is imminent. It could happen at any moment, at any time. It could happen right now, brother. It could happen while I'm teaching this message uh, this morning. Sometime after the rapture, the ruler from the revived Roman Empire will confirm that final week a final seven-year treaty with the nation of Israel. Now, that seven-year period is divided into two halves. The first half is three and a half years, or 1,260 days. The last half, three and a half years, 1,260 days. The tribulation period will come to an end at the second coming, not the rapture, but the second coming, seven years later, of Jesus Christ back to this earth. And when he comes back, he's going to establish his kingdom for how many years? We get that number from scripture, right? We get it from Revelation chapter 20, 2 through 7, where it tells us six times that he will reign for 1,000 years. We call that the millennial kingdom or the kingdom age. And then, of course, after that, after the kingdom will be the great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15. Then after that, there'll be a new heavens, new earth, and the new Jerusalem will come down, and then the eternity will begin for you and I. But in the present, this is where we are right now, folks, the church age, an indefinite period of time. But seeing what is going on in the world right now, that final 70th week, ladies and gentlemen, is on the horizon. Until then, you and I are at war. The moment you woke up this morning, you already went to war. A war within the spiritual realm. This is the reason why we read in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 10. In this, the children of God, that's you, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, the lost, the unregenerate. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brethren. So we have two families in the world today. 
We have the children of God, born again believers. That's us, amen. And then they are the children of the devil. Those who are lost. Those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The children of God, us, the children of light, and the children of the devil are those that are walking right now in darkness. We as the regenerate are the children of light, and the unregenerate are the children of darkness. It is Satan that is using the children of darkness to do the things that are going on right now. And what were one of those things? Well, it happened on October the 7th. Hamas, located in the Gaza Strip, infiltrated southern Israel, went into areas of Sederot, and butchered 1,200 Israelis. We're talking men, women, children, and the babies weren't even spared. They found infants burned alive in the crib. Who does that? What type of person could do something that barbaric? They found babies beheaded in the streets of Sederot. Who's pulling the strings here? Now you can go ahead and say, well, Iran probably concocted this, and that's, that's probably true. But who's really pulling the strings here? Exactly. It's the God of this world that's pulling the strings. And Hamas purposely chose October the 7th. Why? That happened the day after the seven-day celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles in Leviticus 23. On the eighth day, which would have been on October 7th, the Jews celebrate what's called in Hebrew Simchat Torah, the rejoicing of the law or the rejoicing of the Torah or the first five books of Moses. But Hamas also chose October the 7th because that corresponds to Israel winning the Yom Kippur War of 1973 in which Israel defeated Syria, they defeated uh, Egypt, and they defeated Jordan. They chose October the 7th to attack. And they butchered 1,200 innocent Israeli civilians in their homes. And by the way, 32 Americans were among the dead. So it's not just Israel's war. It's our war as well. The Israeli military said that close to 240 hostages were taken. Now I believe it's down to about 140 consisting of uh, babies, uh, children, youths, elderly people. I mean, they, they just took whoever they wanted to take. Now, I want to bring something out to you here. And you've probably seen this, Brother Gang, where we went to Israel. We went to a place called Qumran, where 2,000 years ago, there was a sect there called the Essenes. The Essenes hated the corruption of the priesthood in Jerusalem because they felt that they were capitulating to the Roman authorities. So they said, we just had enough of this hypocrisy. So they took their clan... And they went all the way down to the area of the Dead Sea. They formed a community there near the Dead Sea called Qumran. And it was there at Qumran, these guys were responsible for penning down what is known today as the Dead Sea Scrolls. But one particular scroll sticks out that were found by the archaeologists. So we're looking at, I was about to do it again, we're looking at the Dead Sea area here. Okay, so here we are, there's Jerusalem, Bethlehem, about five miles south. And so the Essenes decided to leave Jerusalem, go all the way down to the area of the Dead Sea, and they settled right there. 
Qumran. And it was there that they penned the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, it was in 1947. A Bedouin Arab shepherd boy looking for some stray sheep uh, noticed a couple of them walking into one of those caves. So in order to flush one of them out, he picks up a stone and he throws it into the cave. Now, instead of flushing out the sheep and hearing bah, he hears that don't sound like sheep. That sounds like the shattering of pottery. Well, he goes in to investigate. What does he discover? Ancient jars. So he carefully lifts one of the lids off those jars. He sees these ancient scrolls in there. He said, man, I think I may have found a gold mine here. Takes some of those scrolls back to Jerusalem. Goes to some of the archaeologists there. Says, hey, I think I may have found something here. And before you know it, the whole entire archaeological world descends on Qumran. And they found thousands and thousands of manuscripts relating to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Even all the books of the Bible were among the Dead Sea Scrolls except for one book. One book was missing. That would be the book of Esther. Esther was not found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. I think I might have a theory as to why that might be the case. I can't be dogmatic about it. The Essenes... They spoke of God all the day long. When they woke up in the morning, the first thing that would come out of their mouth is Hashem, Hebrew for the name, the name of God. Uh, throughout the day, Hashem, the name of God. And before they went to bed at night, Hashem, the name of God. So they mentioned God and they wrote about God and everything. But because the book of Esther was not found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, they probably refused to copy the book of Esther. You know why? God's name is not mentioned once in that book. You will not find the name G-O-D mentioned anywhere in the book of Esther. That's probably one of the reasons why they uh, refused to copy the book of Esther. But one particular scroll that was found was known as the War Scrolls. The apocalyptic War Scrolls in which the Essenes spoke about a coming apocalyptic war between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. They said that one day the Messiah would come and the Messiah would destroy all forces of darkness. But they're not telling us nothing new. You know why? The book of Revelation talks about this, does it not? The books of Daniel, the book of Revelation, talks about this future apocalyptic war. Those scrolls contain an apocalyptic prophecy of a war between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. But in the end... All of darkness is to be eradicated. It's all to be destroyed and light under the Messiah will live in peace for all eternity. And where did they find that one particular war scroll? It was located in cave number one. Cave number one located right there at Qumran. The children of light and the children of darkness that will battle according to the war scroll that will battle during the initial phase of pow, seven years. What a dink! Because Daniel 9.24 tells us 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and thy holy city. A final seven-year period of tribulation to come upon unbelieving Israel and the unbelieving Gentile nations of the world. Listen, folks, 
this has nothing to do with you. But it has everything to do with the Jew. Amen? It's a time of Jacob's trouble. What is the purpose of this final seven-year period? That final week that's still future? Well, it's threefold. Number one, Jesus Christ will return and crush all Gentile world forces. Number two, he will bring unbelieving Israel to belief in him, and that will happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ back to this earth. And number three, and the best of them all, to destroy the satanic trio of the dragon. That's Satan, Revelation 12, 3. The beast, Revelation 13, 1. That's the Antichrist. And the false prophet, Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 11. But the Essenes wrote about this apocalyptic war in the war scrolls of a battle between the sons of light and the sons of darkness to eliminate all non-Israelite occupants from the land of Israel. So folks, we know in the future, in the not-too-distant future, that final 70th week is on the horizon. And the numbers that I'm throwing at you this morning are not based on our Gregorian solar calendar, but it is based on the Jewish calendar. Because they have a calendar that's based on the moon that's 360 days. Our calendar is based on the sun and it's 365 days. So if I take that Jewish lunar calendar, I take 360 times 7, that's 2,520. 2,520 days is exactly seven years. So if I take 2,520 and I divide it by two, do you know what number I come up with? Actually, the Bible gives us a number. Let's go to Revelation chapter number 11, if you will, please. Revelation chapter 11. Let's see what that, that comes out to. Revelation chapter number 11. And verse number 3. 2,520 divided by 2. We get the mathematical answer right here in verse number 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy for how long? Here you go. 1,203 score days or 1,260 days. That's the first half of the tribulation period. Now, let's look at Revelation chapter 12. And verse number 6. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 6. Revelation 12 and verse 6. And the woman, that would be Israel, fled into the wilderness, where she had the place prepared of God, that they should feed her there how long? There you go. 1,203, 1,260 days. The last half of the tribulation period. So the first half, 1,260 Last half, 1,260, 2,520 days in all. That fits perfectly into the Jewish lunar calendar because it is a time of whose trouble? Jesus. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. You can, I, listen, you cannot, and I repeat, you cannot fit those numbers into our Gregorian solar calendar. It just will not fit. Why? This has nothing to do with you. You're gone. You're out of here. At what event? When that trumpet sounds. 
and the dead in Christ come out of those graves. And then we which are alive and remain, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore we are told to comfort one another with these words. Anybody going through the tribulation period, there's really nothing comforting I can say. Why? There's going to be so much destruction, so much death, so much war. You think it's bad now? Oy vey. <laughs> That's a popular Jewish saying. Oy vey. The worst is yet to come, man. This is a cakewalk, for lack of a better term, compared to what is to come. The final 70th week of death. That's why Nebuchadnezzar got a dream of that image right there. Head of gold, breast and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron. But when you get to the ten toes, part of iron, part of clay. The head of gold, Babylon, no more. The breast and arms of silver, Medo-Persia, no more. Belly and thighs of brass, Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great, no more. Legs of iron, the Roman Empire, no more. But then Daniel and John talks about Rome revived. The ten toes. Later on called ten horns. That's Daniel 7, 20, 24. Daniel 7, 7, 20, 24. And Revelation 12, 3. Revelation 13, 1. Revelation 17, 3, 7, 12, 16. A final ten-nation confederacy that will give a blank check when this guy comes on the world stage sometime after the church has been taken out of here at the rapture of the church. Jesus Christ is going to return and he's going to crush those ten toes. Have anyone step on your toe? That's smart, man. And that really, really hurts. Whether it's a big toe or a pinky toe, anyone stepping on your toes, it, 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 you know, it, it has a negative connotation. Stop stepping on my toes. Well, guess what? One day, Jesus Christ is going to step on some toes. He's going to crush those ten toes. He's going to crush the final ten-nation confederacy of the revived Roman Empire. So then I found this. Fly away, if you will, please. Thank you. I got this from the Jerusalem Post. This was from Israel's general, Galan, with their war with Hamas. This is what he said. This is a war between light and darkness. That's what he said. Who's the light in this war? Obviously, it's Israel. They didn't start this war, but they did say, we're going to finish it. We didn't start it, but we're going to finish it. Who's the darkness here? Hamas. Hamas, who will not recognize Israel's right to exist. Who just recently said that not only will we destroy Israel, but we're also going to get rid of treacherous Christianity. In their own words, treacherous Christianity. You may have heard this slogan. You've seen it on TV. But this is a slogan by Hamas and all of their supporters. From the land to the sea... Palestine will be free. Do you know what they mean by that? From the land to the sea, Palestine will be free. In other words, we will drive every single Jew into the sea. But their slogan continues, and I think you're going to catch on to this. You ready? Here's another song that they sing in Islam. We will fight on Saturday, then we'll fight on Sunday. 
Catching on? We will fight on Saturday, and when we're done fighting on Saturday, then we're going to fight on Sunday. Well, why would they want to fight on Saturday? The Shabbat, as they say in Hebrew. The Sabbath. The day of the Jews. And then when we get rid of them, then we're going to fight on Sunday. Why Sunday? The day of worship for Christians. And they said that we will get rid of treacherous Christianity. Israel is the light. They're the ones that are fighting the forces of darkness. This is what Galat said. We are dealing with a culture, talking about Hamas, that does not accept our existence here. They are human savages, beasts of prey, who murdered our soldiers, our children, our babies, our citizens. We will eliminate Hamas. So that brings me to this right here. You're looking at Jerusalem, modern area of Jerusalem, and you are looking at that object right there. What does that look like to you, by the way? We know it's white. What does it look like to you? <laughs> I knew somebody was going to say something smart. When I first saw it in uh, 1994, I said, ah, it looks nothing more than a second century Byzantine UFO. But it's a museum. It's a museum called the Shrine of the Book. That museum houses the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in that museum, they have the entire book of Isaiah on display from 2,000 years ago. The museum is white. Now, adjacent to that is just a black wall. Now, that museum there represents the sons of light. And of course, you know the black wall. The Israeli government purposely constructed it that way to show what the Essenes were talking about, ladies and gentlemen, 2,000 years ago. In the apocalyptic war scrolls, the apocalyptic battle that will happen in the not-too-distant future when the Mashiach, the Messiah, would come and he will crush all non-Israelite Gentile forces seeking to eradicate the Jewish people off the face of the earth. The war between the sons of light and the war between the sons of darkness. We are surrounded by darkness right now. The moment we got up this morning, we were at war with darkness. We're at war with darkness right now. We'll be at war with darkness tonight. And that will continue to be the case until Jesus Christ takes us out of here. Because we're in this flesh of sin, man. We're, we're in this rotten, sinful, Adamic nature in which you and I are struggling against sin every single day. But in order to tame this flesh is to get into this book. Read your Bibles. Pray. Draw closer to the Lord every single day. It's not getting easier out there, man. Is it going to get any better? It's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse and worse. But what the Essenes were talking about in the war scrolls 2,000 years ago, folks, 
is exactly what the books of Daniel and the book of Revelation is talking about. A war between the sons of light and the sons of darkness. But it's all going to come to a head of what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Jesus describes a tribulation that will come upon this world. And I'm here to tell you, you don't want to be here when it comes down. It's seven years. We know that based on scripture. It's seven years. It's based on the Jewish lunar calendar. It's divided into two halves. First half, 1,260. Last half, 1,260. And throughout the seven years, God is going to rain down 21 judgments on this earth. First set of sevens, God loves that number. First set of sevens, the seal judgments. Revelation chapter number six, in which one fourth of humanity will lose their lives. Out of eight billion, maybe about 1.8 billion, just from the seal judgments alone. When that's over, another set of sevens, and that is known as the shofarim, or the trumpet judgments. God dispatches angels to blow shofars. And when that happens, it will result in more apocalyptic catastrophe on this earth. Based on Revelation 9, 15 and 16, another one-third of humanity perishes. We're looking at at least another 1.8, 1.9 billion people out of 8 billion. Almost close to 4 billion will lose their lives between the seals and the trumpet judgments. The fourth seal combined with the sixth trumpet judgment will reduce the world's population to one half its pre-tribulation level. That's not a pretty picture, folks. But God said, that's it. I've had it, man. I've had it. My judgment will now fall. But before that can happen, I've got to get my people out of here. I must evacuate the church. And then we get to another series of sevens, and that would be the vile or the bold judgments. The Bible doesn't give me a number on the vile judgments, but preacher, I can only imagine the carnage, the suffering, the pain that will go on during this time, which is why Jesus Christ must come back at the end of those seven years. If he did not come back at the end of the seven years, you know something? No life on earth would exist. Did he not say that in Matthew 24, 22? And except those days be shortened, shortened the seven years, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, Israel, those days shall be shortened. Folks, in closing, we're living in the perilous time stage right now. You know exactly what those perilous times are. That's right out of 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And when you read verses 1 through 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, you will count 19 characteristics of the last days that we are right now witnessing prior to the rapture of the church. Paul said this know also, that in the last days, that's where we are right now, last days, perilous times shall come. Are we not seeing these perilous times right now? Of course we are. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. 19 characteristics of the last days, perilous times that we are living in right now. And the barbaric acts that we just witnessed by Hamas is absolutely unprecedented. But it's going to get darker out there. It's going to get worse. And what we see happening right now is rolling out the red carpet for somebody to come on the scene, on the world stage, and say, hey, I got the answers, man. I'm the guy that you've been looking for for all these centuries. He hasn't done nothing for you, but I will. Israel, your, your existence is being threatened on a daily basis. Listen, I can protect you. I just want you to just do just a little something for me. Just agree to a seven-year peace treaty, and I'll protect you. I'll make sure nobody touches you. And he does that for the first two and a half years up until the midway point of the tribulation period when he breaks that peace treaty and then that will begin great tribulation. The last 1,260 days of the tribulation period. Folks, what am I telling you? Everything right now is in lockstep with what the Jewish prophets and the Jewish apostles had to say. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. It's on the horizon. We can see it. But the end of all things is at hand. Let us therefore be sober and watch unto prayer. We are not told anywhere in the New Testament to look for the Antichrist, to look for the false prophet. Nowhere. But we are told on many different occasions to look for who? To look for Jesus Christ. He is the promise of our blessed hope. We don't have a blasted hope to look forward to. Why would I say that? I'm not going through the tribulation period. I'm not going through the first half. I'm not going through the first half and one-fourth of the last half as the pre-wrath guys are trying to cram down our throats. I'm not going through that whole seven-year period as the post-tribbers believe. We have a blessed hope. And that blessed hope is the next main event on God's calendar of activities we call the rapture of the church. That could even be this morning. And with that said, we can pray Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you again for your word, Lord. Oh, there's a war going on right now, not only in the physical, but in the spiritual realm. A war between the sons of light. A war between the sons of darkness. And what we see going on right now, Lord, it's only going to intensify up until that trumpet sounds. And the Lord Jesus calls his bride out of this world before the commencement of the final 70th week of Daniel's prophecy.
And Lord, we know that Jesus Christ will keep his promises and he will call his bride out of the world. That could even be this morning. Until then, Lord, help us to be soul winners. Help us, Lord, to be that light and to keep looking up and praying Maranatha. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Any thoughts, questions about the Sunday school before a preacher comes up? Anything about the Sunday school at all? Okay, go. All right, you're up, preacher. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. Now that worked out perfectly. Amen. That worked out perfectly. So I'm just going to leave that right there and I won't touch it. <laughs>